No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Moses revisits the Ten Commandments. It's a good reminder for how to live a life that pleases the Lord and receives His blessings. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Deuteronomy chapter 5 on Simply the Bible. Deuteronomy, the word means second law. It is a book of remembrance. And in it, Moses revisits the laws they received at Mount Sinai with the new generation who was crossing over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. The Ten Commandments on two stone tablets, written by the finger of God, served as an outline for all the law. These are good laws, even for the present day. They speak to us of what God's righteousness really looks like and gives us a plumb line by which we can measure our own actions. We need to be continuously reminded of these things because we so easily forget and lapse into one sin or another. We pick it up in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb, the Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. The Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up the mountain. Now Moses uses three verbs, here learn and observe. These are essential if we are to have the right relationship with the Lord's commandments. First, we must hear the commandments of the Lord, or else how will we know them? Paul tells us in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Just listening to the commandments of the Lord leads to faith. Second, we must learn the commandments of the Lord so that they are written on our hearts. The psalmist says in Psalm 119 that he hid the word in his heart so that he would not sin. And third, we must observe the commandments of the Lord. If we merely hear the word but don't do what it says, then James tells us that we deceive ourselves. It is in doing the word and obeying the commandments that we are in the position to receive God's blessings. Moses says that the Lord made the covenant with those who were still alive at that time. They were the ones who would act on it by faith and enter the promised land. The Lord spoke directly to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai so that they heard him declare the Ten Commandments in an audible voice. And then they told Moses, we don't want to hear that voice anymore. You go up and receive the words from the Lord, and then we'll do what you say. Verse 5, he said, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. These are God's top ten. 
They begin with the commandment to have no other gods before him. There is no record of people being atheists in those days. The pagan cultures, they worshipped many gods. Now, April Fool's Day just came and went. Some people have referred to this as National Atheist Day. Why? Because the Bible says in Psalm 14, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. No fooling. This first commandment prohibits us from putting anything or anyone before God. I love the way J. Vernon McGee says it. Today, many people maintain that they do not worship an idol at all. Anything that you give yourself to, anything that stands between you and God becomes your God. You say you have no idol? To some people, their bank book is their God. Other people worship their golf club. Others may let a child or grandchild become their idol. The television screen can become your idol. Anything that takes first place in your heart is your idol. Verse 8. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. The prohibition of the second commandment is to never represent the true and living God with any kind of image. He is transcendent to everything material and cannot be represented by anything made with man's hands. But this also applies to any mental image of God or system of doctrine that misrepresents him. God reveals here that he will visit judgment against three or four generations of those who hate him, but he shows mercy to thousands of generations, to those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse 11. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. In this third commandment, to take the name of the Lord in vain means to use it in a futile, empty, or false way. Certainly, it includes using the name of God or Christ in place of a swear word, but it's more than that. If you take an oath in his name and then don't do what you say, or if you say the Lord told you something when it's just you, then that is taking his name in vain. I am uncomfortable when people say, oh my God, when they give no evidence of having a relationship with God or of sincerely calling on his name. Verse 12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. 
Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The fourth commandment deals with the Sabbath law. Now, in one sense, this originated in the creation week when God worked for six days and rested on the seventh. However, of all the Ten Commandments, this is the only one that's not repeated in the New Testament and is not applied to the church. And why not? Because the Sabbath was specifically a sign of God's covenant with Israel. That's what it says in Exodus 31.13. Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Under the new covenant, we find our Sabbath rest in Jesus Christ, who has finished the work of fulfilling the law for righteousness on our behalf. Now every day, whatever we do, we can rest in Christ. However, it's just a good idea to take a day off work once a week, not as a legalistic requirement, but as a healthy way to live. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Verse 16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. The fifth commandment begins the laws dealing with man's relationship to his fellow man. The very first relationship we have in life is with our parents. While we are children, they represent God to us. God gives them his authority and they are accountable to him. Honoring this family structure is at the core of society and a culture that does this will endure. But a culture that fails to honor this structure will disintegrate and ultimately fail. Unfortunately, not every parent is personally worthy of respect. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Both commandments go together. Verse 17, You shall not murder. The King James Version says, Thou shalt not kill, but murder is a better translation of the Hebrew word. God would send Israel into the promised land with orders to kill the inhabitants of the land. Therefore, this commandment must not apply to warfare under a government's authority. Jesus applied this beyond the physical act of murder to the heart attitude behind the act. In Matthew 5.21, he said, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder if you commit murder you are subject to judgment but i say if you are even angry with someone you are subject to judgment if you call someone an idiot you are in danger of being brought before the court and if you curse someone you are in danger of the fires of hell verse 18 you shall not commit adultery The seventh commandment applies to any sexual relations outside the marriage covenant between a husband and his wife. We are told in Hebrews 13.4, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Verse 19, you shall not steal. This eighth commandment we shall see is related to the tenth. Verse 20, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. 
This primarily speaks of what you might say about another in a court of law, but it applies to any information we share about others. Sometimes we repeat what someone has said without giving the context, and it's very misleading. A good rule of thumb before talking about someone is to picture him or her with you in the room. Would you say the same thing with that person present? Verse 21, You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. You see, this 10th commandment is really the heart attitude behind the 8th commandment, not to steal. It begins with the desire to have what belongs to your neighbor in a way that you would take it from him if you could. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly in the mountain from the midst of the fire, the cloud and the thick darkness with a loud voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. The Ten Commandments could never make anyone righteous. Rather, they are like a mirror showing us where we come up short. They cause us to despair of our own self-righteousness so that we will come to Christ for his forgiveness, cleansing, and the perfect righteousness given to us from God for believing in him. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll see where Moses reminds the people when they were afraid of God's presence and requested that he speak with God on their behalf. He also gives them the greatest commandment of all. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Deuteronomy on Simply the Bible.